Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the ways that you pour out grace every single morning. And we celebrate that faithfulness. We celebrate that love. We celebrate that grace. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome, friends, from wherever you're joining us. It's great to have you. If you're new to our congregation and new to this online experience, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor of here at New Life Fellowship Church. And if you're joining us on our Facebook page, welcome. If you're joining us on our newlife.nyc website, welcome to you as well. Whether you're in Queens, different parts of our city, our country, or even our world, we are thrilled that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Now, we are in a season, as you know, of disruption, a season of disorientation. And so while we celebrate the fact that we can gather in this way, we also realize that this is not the ideal way of gathering and that we are in a place right now in life where it is pretty difficult. Uh, we live in a, we're living in a Groundhog Day kind of existence uh, out of which we are repeating the same thing every single day, it seems. And so whether it is going to uh, the supermarket and having to wait on long lines, whether it is being a, uh, not only doing your job, but also overseeing a homeschool environment as well, whether you are experiencing anxiety because you're wondering whether you are going to contract COVID-19 or whether you are in deep grief and sorrow because you've lost a friend, a family member, we want to hold all those things in intention with each other, offering them to the living God who gives us grace for the moment that we're in. And so wherever you're at in this moment, I pray that you would receive really the grace of God, the love of God through our worship, through our singing, and right now through our proclaimed word. Last week we celebrated the Easter season that we got, we kicked it off where Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And because he's risen from the dead, we have hope, we have a future. And the church uh, historically has stepped into a season, an Eastertide season, where we celebrate not just on one Sunday that Christ is alive, but for a series of 50 days, we celebrate the good news that Jesus Christ is alive. And so rather from jumping from one thing to the next, we want to stay in this moment as a people together. It was Ron Roheiser who said that, a theologian who said that our culture knows how to anticipate an event, but we don't know how to sustain an event. And what we want to do is not just anticipate what Christ has done in the resurrection, what we did last week. We want to celebrate and sustain this truth that he is alive. And because he's alive, his grace is available to us. And so I'm going to look at a passage of scripture today out of John 21. And uh, earlier this week on Facebook, I mentioned that this is a good message to have breakfast with. If you have some breakfast in front of you, some coffee, tea, some toast, or if you went all out, this is the kind of message that you want to be eating as you are watching, as you are listening. The title of my message is Breakfast and Grace, or using the words of Jesus, come have breakfast. There's a story in John uh, 21 where Jesus, the resurrected Christ, encounters his disciples and in this story he encounters them and he serves them breakfast. I want to read to you a few verses beginning in verse number one. You can follow along with me in your Bible or on the screen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, Afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. 
I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. He was full, it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. What a passage, what a story. I want to preach on this message, come have breakfast or breakfast in grace. Lord, what a story and may the truth of the story, the amazing grace of this story really come through and resonate in our hearts today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my love languages is the act of service. I love serving people around me. In particular, I love serving my family at home. And one of the ways that I serve my family at home is by making them breakfast pretty often. Whether it's waffles and sausages or bacon and eggs or whatever it is, I love to serve my family. In addition to that, I love receiving breakfast being made for me. It's something I gladly receive as well. And this past Friday, I received a wonderful meal uh, for my birthday. I celebrated my 41st birthday this past Friday. And when I woke up, I woke up to breakfast in bed. You know I was having a good day when breakfast in bed came with the blueberry pancakes, the sausages, the orange juice, all of that there. It was a delightful morning to receive breakfast from my family. And so whether I receive breakfast from my family or whether I make breakfast for my family, it's something that I really enjoy. And when I looked at our text this week, I realize it's not something that I just enjoy. It's something that I have in common with Jesus as well. Because Jesus loves to serve food, loves to serve breakfast for his friends, for the world. One of the things that you consider when you look at Jesus's ministry is that all that Jesus did was centered around food. His first miracle was done at a wedding where he took water and turned it into wine. 
Besides the resurrection, the only miracle in the four Gospels that show up in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the feeding of the 5,000. That's the only other miracle besides the resurrection that is found in each of the Gospels. Jesus is known as the bread of life. Before he died and went to the cross, he left his disciples a meal to remember him and to celebrate his death and his resurrection, bread and a cup. His fascination with food was such that, that the religious leaders around him called him a glutton and a drunkard. Could you imagine? A glutton and a drunkard. Jesus loved himself some food. He was either always talking about food or he was always making food. This is one of the things I love about Jesus. And it's one of the things I love about New Life Fellowship Church. That when we gather together, we, there's always food around our building when we gather. Whether it's in the shell room, the yellow room, the blue room, the upper stage room, the sanctuary, the mezzanine conference room. There's always food around our building. We are a Jesus kind of people. Now in this final chapter in the Gospel of John... John writes about an important breakfast that Jesus made for his disciples. And in this passage here, we encounter Jesus as the first iron chef. The resurrected Jesus invites his disciples for a delicious breakfast. And we see that he prepares his breakfast. And the breakfast is not just filled with delightful ingredients, I'm sure. They're really filled with the ingredients of grace and mercy and love. In this text, just remember a week prior to this story, Jesus has died for the sins of the world. And he died because of the sins of the world. But he resurrected just a couple of days later, three days, three nights, he's in the tomb. He resurrects from the grave in power and the disciples are filled with awe. They are celebrating Christ has conquered the grave. But yet a week later after the resurrection, the disciples are still in some kind of confusion. Because even though Jesus Christ is back from the dead, they can't anticipate where he will be or when he's going to show up. Now, after the resurrection, Jesus would appear to them, but just briefly, and then he'd disappear and go somewhere else. They never knew when they would encounter him next. Now, this was different from how they related to Jesus before the resurrection. Because before the resurrection, they always knew where Jesus was going to be. Even when Jesus went into isolated places to pray, they knew Jesus' favorite prayer spot. They knew where he would be around the neighborhood, and they would always find Jesus no matter where he was. But now it's different. They don't know exactly when he's going to show up. They don't know exactly when he's going to leave. And so this is a disorienting experience even after he is raised from the dead. I like how Will Willimon, a great theologian and preacher, says it. He says it this way. The risen Christ is free and moving. He does not intend to remain boxed in on one day of the week for an hour in church. He does not recognize the separation we tend to make between the secular and the religious. He intrudes, coming to you where you are, speaks to you and reveals himself to you. So pay attention when you are sitting at your desk or sweeping the floor or reading a book. 
Easter means, among other things, that Jesus is loose and he is looking for you. And this is a good message for us. Whether you're sweeping your floor, washing your dishes, quarantined in your apartment or home, Jesus Christ is on the loose and he just might show up. That's the Easter story. That's the post-resurrection encounters that Jesus has with his disciples and that Jesus has had with his disciples for the past 2,000 years. He has a way of showing up. Now, in the story, these disciples are fishing. They can't find anything. They've been fishing all night. And then morning breaks. Jesus shows up. He's about 100 yards from them. And he shouts out a question. And this is how John captures it. He shouts out, he says, friends, haven't you any fish? And they they respond by saying, no. Then he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. This is a very strange suggestion. Jesus has done this before prior to the resurrection. And so they do it. And the story says when they did, they were unable to haul in the nets because of the large number of fish. And it's at this point where John says, it is the Lord. He sees again with fresh eyes, it is the Lord. And Peter hears this. And Peter, as you know, if you read the Bible, you know that Peter has always been this impulsive guy. He never thinks things through. He, he, he rarely gives thought to his actions. And he does something very strange after John says, it is the Lord. The story says that Peter wrapped his robe around himself, then leapt off the boat, cannonball style, I imagine, and swam to Jesus. Now, here's the crazy thing. Doesn't that seem backwards to you? Don't you take your clothes off and then jump into the water? Peter put his clothes on and then he jumps into the water. Peter's always this strange guy doing impulsive, crazy things. And so he swims to Jesus. The disciples don't join him. They row to Jesus. (laughs) And they said, this guy's a nut. And so they row to Jesus and they all encounter him on the shore. And when they discover that Jesus is there... They realize that he's already made them breakfast, grilled fish and bread. Now again, we see a consistent theme with the resurrected Jesus and his disciples. They were not looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for them. They were looking for fish. Jesus was looking for them. Jesus always finds them. They don't find him. And I love that because we always need to be reminded. Some people say, you know, I remember that day when I found God. God was never lost. Amen. He found you. You were lost. I was lost. And he came to you with surprising grace and found you and claimed you and now receives you at his own and as his own. And so his, Jesus finds his disciples He's present to them in the ordinary. And Jesus finds us in the ordinary of our pandemic-stricken lives. He shows up in the ordinary. And he says, come, have breakfast. And that's really the invitation for us on this Sunday. To hear the words of Jesus, come, have breakfast. What does Jesus really mean when he says, come, have breakfast? Certainly, They're going to enjoy a meal, 
made by him. But beyond that, he's communicating something of his grace, something of his love, something of his character, something of the relationship that he longs to have with you and I in these simple three words, come, have breakfast. There's really two invitations that I want to share. There might be certainly other invitations, but two invitations out of this simple come have breakfast invitation that I believe Jesus wants us to hear wherever you're at this morning. And the first invitation that this offers to us, when Jesus says come have breakfast, he is really offering us generous forgiveness. Generous forgiveness. We must remember who Jesus is is inviting over for breakfast. He's inviting people who just a few days ago abandoned him, lied about him, uh, rejected him when he needed them most. And after all he did for them, when he was at his lowest moment, he, they abandoned him. And so this is why the simple phrase, come have breakfast, is such a powerful and beautiful act of grace. Because if I were Jesus... Instead of saying, come have breakfast, I would have said, you better make me breakfast. That's what I would have said once I saw the disciples. And I want pancakes, French toast, eggs, bacon, sausage. We're in the New Testament now. That that food is okay. I want bacon, sausage, eggs, waffles. I want it all. You messed up. You better make me breakfast. But Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't say, you guys better pay for your mistakes. He doesn't say that. He already has a meal prepared for them. By the time they get to him, the meal is already prepared. And so after he resurrects, Jesus is reinforcing what he taught them when he was with them before. You are loved by God. And this is what God wants us to get through in our souls, in our hearts, in the deepest part of our being. To say, come have breakfast, is to say, you have been offered generous forgiveness by the living God. And now receive it as your own. And, sh- and form this now, use this to shape and form your, your core identity as to who you are. Generous forgiveness. I love how Brendan Manning, one of my favorite authors, captures it. He captures it this way. He says, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ. And I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. I hope that in my life, I could say that with that level of conviction. And I pray that you could say the same, that the deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. Imagine how your life would be transformed if this simple truth, you would receive it. This is the breakfast that Jesus offers us. The breakfast of generous forgiveness. And yet, we have a hard time receiving this. We tend to be skeptical about God. Skeptical about God's love. And if I was one of the disciples and Jesus offered me breakfast, I might be wondering, I don't know. Maybe Jesus put something in this fish that's going to make me sick. I don't know. He's going to get me back. And that's the kind of mentality that we have as it pertains to God. We always think God is out to get us. That God is out to punish us. At one moment that we make a wrong move, God is there to bust us up. 
And many of us believe that. We have this cause and effect kind of relationship with God that says, if I do good, I will be blessed. But if I don't do good, I will be hurt, judged, whatever it is. And so consequently, whenever we pray in a given day and something good happens to us, we attribute the good because of our praying. Or if we didn't pray or we did something wrong, we lied, and then something bad happened, we always say, this happens because I did this wrong thing. We tend to have a specific cause and effect relationship with God, thinking that God's goodness is predicated on my goodness. That's how world religions tend to operate. Generally speaking, most world religions operate with this narrative that says you have to do something good in order to get blessings from the gods. And conversely, if you anger the gods, you will surely be punished. And so the narrative is summed up this way. God is an angry judge, and if you do well, you'll be blessed. If you sin, you'll be punished. This, this kind of narrative finds its way inside the church and outside of the church. It was Baylor University that had a study which said that 37% of Christians believe that God is both judgmental and highly engaged in the affairs of humans. And like a divine judge, God is watching us closely, eager to punish us for even minor infractions. And many of us believe that. Some of us think, I got a parking spot today. That must mean that I did something good. You've been circling for 30 minutes trying to find parking. What did I do wrong? We have a way of having this cause and effect relationship with God. Even globally, many people are saying the reason we're in this pandemic is because we've done something bad and God is judging us. No, 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 no. God has already judged us in Christ. Christ has been judged on our behalf. He's gone to the cross on our behalf. God has placed our judgment on Jesus Christ. That's the good news of Good Friday and the better news of the resurrection, that he is alive, that he is, he is with us. God has taken our punishment. And so for those of you who are saying, the reason we're in this is because God is judging us. God has already judged us in Christ. And we are to receive the gift of his generous forgiveness. And so Jesus offers us this vision of God, a vision that he makes breakfast for his sinful friends. And beyond making breakfast for his sinful friends, he, often, he offers something else as well. You see, to say come have breakfast is not just about generous forgiveness. It's also about this. It's also about gracious friendship. That beautiful phrase, come have breakfast, is about generous forgiveness and about gracious friendship. Jesus could have visited the guys and said, listen guys, come close. You're forgiven. I love you. Uh, don't think about what happened. All is well. And Jesus could have disappeared and never come back. But Jesus doesn't do this. Because the meal is not just an act of generous forgiveness, but of gracious friendship. You see, Jesus can't be without his friends. He can't get enough of them, and he can't get enough of you. This reminds me of what one of my favorite theologians, Karl Barth, the great Swiss theologian. This is what he says in one of his massive books. He says this one little line. He says, God does not will to be God without us. 
and he does not will that we should be without him. Hear those words. God does not will to be God without us. Can God be God without us? Of course God can be God without us. Does God want to be God without us? Not a chance. God does not wish to be God without us. And so it is through this meal, through this breakfast, that Jesus reveals a God who longs for communion with his friends, who longs for communion with his creation, who offers gracious friendship to us. Hear those words. This is why when we pray, it's so critical, the image that we have of God It's critical to having really a good rhythm of prayer and a deep life of prayer. Because when you show up for prayer, God doesn't just tolerate you. We don't go to prayer and God goes, oh, he's back again. What does he want? Or you come to prayer, oh, what does she want this time? God doesn't tolerate you. God is thrilled that you are there. He longs to be with you. And when you show up for prayer in that way, he is thrilled that you have shown up. Let me say it this way. All analogies and metaphors are imperfect, of course. But I want to tell you why I love dogs and why dogs are like God. Now, I want to just say from the onset here, this is not an anti-cat illustration. Okay, uh, all pets matter. Okay, and so, but I want to just highlight why dogs are like God. You see, when you walk into your home, your dog is happy to see you. The, ta- the, the tail is wagging. They're jumping up on you. They are just so happy to see you. You might have been gone for just a couple of minutes, but when you come back into the door, the dog is happy to see you. But if you have a cat, you know that your cat does not greet you in the same way. When you walk into your home, your cat greets you something like this here. That's how your cat greets you when you come home. Isn't it true? (laughs) Again, this is not an anti-cat, but I just want to let you know. Sometimes we're not greeted with the same uh, enthusiasm from cats as we are with dogs. Get the connection here. Dogs are like God. How so? Because when you come to pray, God is so thrilled that you're there. God is grateful that you're there. God longs for communion with his people. And when you take it to its logical conclusion, this story, it's quite staggering to see a God who longs to be our friend. And that's what we see in this passage. Could you think for a moment in this really simplified metaphor, even this superficial metaphor, imagine that someone really famous, that someone you admired, something that you idolize, and you, you, everywhere they go, you're following them. Every time they tweet, you're looking, you're retweeting them. You love them. You, you love to see them. LeBron James, whoever it is, Adele, uh, an athlete, a musician, an actor, whatever it is, someone you just adore. And imagine one day you meet them, and after you meet them, instead of you sending them an email thanking them for meeting with them, they send you an email saying, it was, I was glad to be with you. And not only did they send you an email saying they were glad to be with you, they send you another email saying, can we hang out again? You're thinking, wait a second, I should be asking you this question. 
Why are you asking me this question? But beyond that, let's just say you're minding your business or going to the park, you're, you're grocery shopping, you are walking down the street, and this person you idolize, this person you absolutely adore, keeps showing up. You'd be thinking, this is really strange. I should be doing this to you. Why are you doing this to me? This is the story in John 21. Jesus cannot get enough of his friends. He can't get enough of his disciples. And here it is, the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last, the firstborn from among the dead is the one who keeps finding his friends. God can't get enough of you. He can't be apart from you. God does not wish to be God without you. And so receive that love. Receive that grace. Receive that mercy. And when we look at the story, what does this mean for us? Minimally, two things. It means, first of all, that your failures can't separate you from the love of God. What does come have breakfast mean? Your failures cannot separate you from the love of God. And if you're anything like me, you've been failing a lot this week. Quarantine alone or with a bunch of people, you've been failing a lot this week. Irritable, snapping at people, not praying, can't find your Bible even though you haven't left your house. You've been failing like I have been failing. And none of your failures can separate you from the love of God. This is what come have breakfast means. But come have breakfast also means that Jesus' breakfast is always hot and ready for you. His forgiveness and his friendship is always hot and available for you. Let me close with this. After many years of having one strategy, McDonald's recently, some four or five years ago, decided to make a shift. Up until a few years ago, McDonald's used to serve breakfast until 11 a.m. and no more. And this, brothers and sisters, was a problem. <laughs> because I used to go to McDonald's at 10.55, 10.56, 10.57. the time I got there waiting to order my hotcakes and sausage, the person behind the counter would say, we're not serving any more breakfast. And I'd look at them and say, it's come on, man, it's 10.55. You still got five minutes. And they say, there's no more breakfast being served. And so McDonald's must have gotten my emails. <laughs> because after many years of doing the same thing over and over again, they made a strategic shift. And they began to offer breakfast not just up to 11 a.m., they made the shift to offer breakfast 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And so whenever you want McDonald's, sometimes you want breakfast at 12 noon. Sometimes you want breakfast at 3 in the afternoon. Sometimes you want breakfast for dinner. You know what I'm talking about. And it's nice now that McDonald's made the shift because at any point you can get yourself some breakfast. And when I thought about it, that again recently and thought about our text, I just didn't think about McDonald's. I thought about Jesus. I thought about the breakfast he offers. Because here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus doesn't just offer his breakfast until a certain time. 
Amen. He doesn't say, it's too late. You came too late. Come again tomorrow. No, no. At any time in the day when you need his breakfast, it's ready for you. 7 a.m., if you need his forgiveness and friendship, it's ready for you. Middle of the day, you need his forgiveness and friendship, it's available to you. Three o'clock in the afternoon, you need his forgiveness and friendship, it's available to you. And sometimes you want breakfast for dinner. Sometimes you need forgiveness and friendship at the midnight hour. Whatever time you come to Jesus, his grace, his breakfast, his forgiveness, his friendship is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, whenever you want it, he's got it. And the invitation for you is to keep coming to him. He never runs out of inventory. He never runs out of hotcakes and sausages. He never runs out of friendship and forgiveness. Whenever you want it, he's got it. Just keep coming. That's the invitation on this Sunday. Keep on coming. Because he has more than enough to give to you. And so I wonder this Sunday morning, I wonder this day, whatever time you're listening to this and watching this, you might have thought, I've done way too much bad that God could give me forgiveness. No, you haven't met Jesus yet. I've done way too uh, many terrible things that God would want to be my friend. You haven't met Jesus yet. Because it is in Christ that he reveals a God who has unending forgiveness and has a longing to be in friendship with you. And so what's the invitation? To receive it. That's what repentance is. Repentance is a recognition that God's love is available. Do I deserve it? No. This is what Christ has done for me. He's taken on. He's been punished on my behalf. He offers us grace and mercy, and the invitation is to simply receive it. Can you do that today? For some of you watching, you're not a Christian. Maybe you just clicked on this link by accident. And you're wondering, what in the world is going on here? I want to tell you that God loves you with an everlasting love. And he's called you by name. And Jesus says, I have breakfast for you. Forgiveness and friendship with your name on it. And whether you're hearing this for the first time, hearing this for the hundredth time, the thousandth time, whatever it is, his breakfast is hot. It's ready. Forgiveness and friendship that comes because of what Christ has done. Can you receive it? Can you put your plate before him? That's what faith is. Faith is recognizing I have nothing but a plate. Can you fill it with your breakfast? And when we say I have faith in Christ, we're simply bringing him our empty plates. And saying, Lord, unless you put something on it, I have nothing. Unless you fill it with your food, I have nothing. But here's my plate. And today, whether you're a Christian or not, Christ wants you to offer your plate. And let him pile on mercy, grace, forgiveness, friendship. And that'll be a meal that'll change your life. Let's pray together. Lord, the invitation of the psalm is to taste and see that the Lord is good.
And Lord, may we taste and see today that you are good. Thank you for your love in Christ, for the ways that you have secured for us salvation and forgiveness, mercy, eternal life. And Lord, in this Eastertide season, may we recognize that you are on the loose and you long to find us, not to offer judgment, but to transform our lives through your grace. Now, Lord, may we receive it. For those of us who have never said yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today, a simple prayer like, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. I want to be your friend. I long for forgiveness. I want to follow Jesus. If something like that is welling up inside of you, let us know. We want to pray for you. We want to help you. There's plenty of ways you can go to newlife.nyc slash live and get in contact with some of our pastors. And if you sense salvation is coming to your heart today, we want to help you in your journey. And then for some of us, yes, you know Christ. And yet, you have been struggling to receive forgiveness and his friendship. And this passage today is a reminder that Jesus never runs out of food. Key food might run out of food. Stop and shop might run out of inventory. Your local bodega might run out of all the things that you need, but Jesus will never run out of food. And we are invited to receive that once again today. As we close, I want to invite you to open your hand towards heaven to receive a blessing. And I want to remind you that we have some opportunities for you to connect with some of our new lifers. And so on our newlife.nyc slash live page. There'll be a virtual lobby for us to connect with other pastors. And feel free if you want to just talk to someone or maybe, if, maybe it could just be a 30-second thing where you just want to say hi to someone. Feel free to click on the link there and find one of those rooms. We also have a, a prayer room as well. If you just need someone to pray for you, we'd love to pray for you as well. And all that information is on our Facebook feed as well as on our newlife.nyc slash live. And so feel free to take advantage of the kind of connection that is available to you in this moment. As we close, I want to bless you and let you know there's plenty of opportunities for you to connect that new life and you should not have to go through a pandemic in isolation. We want to be here for you however we can. And so feel free to take advantage of the many resources and opportunities to connect that's available to you. With your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this online experience in the power of the Holy Spirit, receiving the generous forgiveness of Christ and the gracious friendship that's available to you every single day. And may you know that you are deeply loved by Jesus Christ. And may that become the fundamental identity that you live with in the world. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the resurrected name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all. See you online this week or next Sunday.